Welcome to Finding Your Identity, the podcast about helping you find your identity. Welcome back to Finding Your Identity. And I have been gone for a little while, so I need to get back on the the horse. <clears throat> I got to saddle the microphone back up and jump on and ride it into a new episode because it's been a while. But yeah, I've been away since February. I looked, it was February 25th when I released the last episode and I apologize. There's been a couple things, you know, going on in the world. Uh, a few things, you know, some minor pandemic and pandemic is, is not a scary word. So yeah, <clears throat> kind of no excuse though, because technically, you know, things didn't start to really hit the fan until the middle of March. And I just, I guess was waiting, waiting for something, waiting to exhale or something. Anyways, this is a better time than any to actually start talking again. And if anybody's missing the Finding Your Identity podcast, raise your hand. Let's count them. Oh, yeah, I can't see hands. So you could drop me a line at findingyouridentitypodcast at gmail.com. Um, oh, by the way, we, uh, or I, I should say, I'm not going to pretend there's more than one of me, even though sometimes I do need a clone. Um, I launched a website, uh, findingyouridentitypodcast.com. So technically I had bought the domain right, you know, shortly after starting the podcast, uh, just about a year ago, but I had just redirected it to my own personal website because I was kind of being lazy, but also just wanted to see if I'd stick with it. And I feel like a year later, it's a good time to finish building your website. So I got a website stood up, findingyouridentitypodcast.com, and it's dedicated just to the podcast. So just going to have the episodes. Uh, I, I'm looking to implement <clears throat> some forms soon, contact forms, so that I could collect, uh, you know, uh, contacts, <laughs> you know, people who want to potentially be on the show. And I think it would be uh, kind of cool if we could get guests. But, you know, at this point, um, yeah. And also maybe topic ideas. Um, so, yeah, more to come on the website, findingyouridentitypodcast.com. Findingyouridentitypodcast.com. And there's the, I'm done with the shameless self-promotion, although this is the podcast, so it's kind of warranted. Yada, yada, yada. Okay. So this episode, I didn't have anything in particular on the docket per se. I guess I just have a lot of stuff that I've been thinking about and it's been building up and I'm just going to kind of shoot from the hip. So without further ado, let's get started with some random randomness and other good things and other fun things. <laughs> Maybe my first thing I'm going to do is a tangent um, because so, uh, you know, if you don't know, I record a video of me recording the podcast 
And one of the benefits of that is you kind of get to see an unfiltered version of the of the show because I um, forget to pause the video, even though I may pause the recording of the audio. And that's what I did uh, two seconds ago. And I was about to go on this tangent about the exit signs because, <laughs> I don't know, for some reason, I just started thinking how with exit signs and you've got like a 40, exit 40, and then the next exit is 40A, and then there's 40B and 40C. And I'm thinking of specifically in, in Connecticut, the exit for the uh, airport, Bradley International Airport, has some kind of funky thing like that. And um, it's just kind of amusing to me uh, because I, I guess it's just, uh, oh, so... We didn't think out ahead enough. I guess we just figured, well, we'll just split it into A, B, C, which probably makes a lot of sense. But it just kind of stuck in my head because I was joking to, I guess, the video watchers. And uh, as I was just talking to myself, basically on video, about how this was like episode 1A because I've really kind of lost my flow and groove here on doing an episode. Uh, it's been been a little bit of time so I'm now kind of stumbling to remember my process basically but I don't feel like I have a shortage of stuff to say because you know I never shut up and if I did there'd be dead air so kind of good anyways how you doing how's uh, pandemic life which is you know the new way of life for everybody, the new normal, which is it's kind of a frustrating term, you know, calling it the new normal, you know, because it really feels like it's just a term that's been drum, drum up, drummed up, drammed up, um, invented to try to quell people's nerves and concerns about the fact that you've been basically told to stay in your house for so long. Now, today is, uh, you know, the last day of March when I'm recording. Um, hopefully going to push this episode out tomorrow, which will actually be June 1st. Unless I'm super motivated and I actually get it out tonight. But, you know, recording at like 9 o'clock at night. So, don't get your hopes up. Although, then you'll be listening to it and then your hopes... That would just create a paradox. So let's stop talking about it. I think what I'm getting at is the fact that things are starting to reopen. And then the fact that there's riots across the United States, <laughs> which is crazy. So it's kind of like, uh, you know, the concept of overcorrecting, you know, with things or uh, or even more like pressure bus pipes. Maybe that's the title of this episode um, because everybody's been cooped up and, you know, a lot of people have lost their jobs. I'm fortunate enough to not have lost my job and um, doesn't mean it's not going to happen <laughs> in, who knows, a couple months or so if there's even going to be a United States left standing, but um, more than that, like I don't think anybody's uh, job is particularly guaranteed 
uh, I'm a web developer, so, you know, obviously there's a lot of demand right now for uh, apps that that help in any way uh, navigate us through this pandemic. So I I might end up having to build a contact tracing app, which I would hate. But you got to put bread on the table, you know. Anyway, so people are just kind of going nuts right now, and it kind of feels like you know <clears throat> we we went into the state of lockdown and everybody was told to stay home and you know ordered told suggestions whatever i mean there really seemed to be no option i mean you cut off uh the water to a pool and drain it and nobody's going to show up to go swimming right so um there wasn't much to do anyways other than you know, go and try to go shopping and not go the wrong way down the aisles and have people give you the stink eye or even yell at you, which is amusing, but it is what it is. That is the new world. We're wearing masks, at least in Connecticut, where we have to wear masks and we accept it. I'm working from home. And that's hard. I'm going to talk about that for a minute <clears throat> because this is, uh, you know, finding your identity, I'm not trying to get into any kind of politic discussion. Working from home has been interesting and it's been a little challenging because, you know, it's it's kind of chaotic and noisy. The kids are are trying to do distant learning. You know, they are struggling in many ways uh, because it's hard it's hard to do something you've never done before. I've worked from home, you know, because I've had the ability to for a long time. It wasn't a regular daily thing, but I was able to, um, you know, at my previous job, work from home every Friday. So the getting into a groove like that was okay. But this is different because, you know, those days on, on the Fridays, it was like, I mean, this is kind of like extended summer. Uh, right now, right? Because I'm working from home and everybody's home. <clears throat> so I don't have any real uh, full escape from from noise, you know, which is difficult because I do have the kind of job that does require to be in meetings and, you know, many, many meetings on, on different occasions. It, it really varies. But <clears throat> if I'm on a meeting and the kids bust in, they have a problem and they don't have the concept of like, you need to wait until I'm done. It's not like I have a red light above the door. Although <clears throat> inventor list, uh, I should add that to it because that is an interesting idea. So yes, a red light above the door. I mean, I can't lock the door because I work out of my bedroom and uh, I have to be able to let my wife into the bedroom, you know, because it's her bedroom too. So it's our bedroom, I should say. Probably more hers. But my desk is my desk. So I have that part of our bedroom. But anyways, they don't, you know, they don't really understand uh, proper video conferencing etiquette, which has become a thing. And the whole Zoom bombing is just hilarious because, you know, what's interesting about that is 
Zoom really like kind of, you know, it was growing and and I think it's a perfect example of of the t- you know companies that like they they weren't being opportunistic in the sense that they were trying to exploit the pandemic uh, necessarily, but they probably saw an immense amount of growth and they kind of got thrust into the spotlight because you know they they grew probably you know i don't know 10 times 40 times 50 times i don't know how many times but several multiples more than they they could have been predicting you know in their january quarter result you know quarterly results you know nobody could have foreseen uh the the all of a sudden you know this explosive growth because of this dire need to continue doing business and it wasn't just business you know it, it became a way for even um you know regular non-business people to to have chats with family members or friends and <clears throat> it's a good video platform you know video conferencing platform and it was surprising because i like it, for my work you know we ha- we had it we had licenses i had acquired uh, a pro license you know um through my work because i needed to record sessions for this group that i was running that i wanted to just record you know when when we whenever we had a meeting and we presented stuff i wanted to record it so i needed to get a pro license and so i had a pro license and not a lot of people had pro licenses at the time but i was using it and, and this was way back you know um december january and I was using it and I was really impressed with the stability of it because it could actually handle a lot of people with video and it was impressive. And the day that Friday, it was a Friday, I think it was Friday the 13th, which was essentially the day that the orders started coming in, like, you know, school was going to be uh, postponed or, or, you know, kids needed to stay home. It was uh, at that, on that day, it was undetermined as to whether they were going to do distant learning or not, although it was assumed, you know, for as far as work, you know, it was conversations with management and, and my boss and, okay, what's going to, you know, what's going to happen? And it's like very likely, it seems like everyone's going to be told to, to work from home. They started doing, they started doing tests, which was very interesting. They said, you know, okay, that Friday actually was the first test they wanted to do uh, through my work to test the network. So they told everybody to work from home and really hammer, <laughs> hammer on the network. And it just so happened that we were having this developer day and we needed to have, uh, you know, 150 to 180 developers on this, on a call <clears throat> participating in this event. And so we're like, let's use Zoom. I was like, let's use Zoom. And Zoom actually had these features or has these features, which are called breakout rooms. And so it kind of worked out perfectly because the, the nice thing about that was, so I was the host, so I could create a breakout room and then I could put people in the breakout room and then send people off to those breakout rooms. And they basically be broken off into sub, a subset of the main meeting as individual video conference calls. So, you know, the, uh, if you had, a hundred people. And then, you know, I just separate them out into groups. Uh, you know, those smaller groups, 10 would go off into their own breakout rooms and I could jump into the rooms. I could move people between rooms. I could send people to rooms. Um, and I could close the rooms and bring everybody back. 
It was very powerful. Felt great. I've done it twice already. <laughs> it's a little, little, it feels a little rewarding to do something like that. But anyway, so it was, you know, it was kind of cool. And we had, I think we ended up with like about 180, 170 people, some hundred between 170, 180 people at one point. And, you know, probably a quarter or maybe even a third of people were on video to start and it was seamless and it was impressive, you know, and this is before, I think it was the, the next week, right? Like that's the poop hit the fan with uh, the zoom bombing and, you know, hackers were able to figure out how they could actually jump on zoom calls because um, unfortunately zoom kind of made a fatal error by just essentially creating random random generated numbers that were the IDs for the conference calls. And so, you know, they could be easily exploited because a hacker just needed the Zoom meeting URL slash random set of numbers. And so they could, you know, basically build software that could just constantly basically search for 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 Zoom meetings that were actually live. And they they uh they were able to do that and crash meetings and then you know you had some people that were racist joining the calls and then obscene things and just terrible it just you know as, as it was unfortunate and then zoom was like apparently lied about being end-to-end -end encrypted and and all this nonsense or whatever but i just saw yesterday or the day before yesterday what's today saturday so i yeah i think it was friday um that the Zoom's valuation is $50 billion, uh, like as of this past week, which because they're publicly traded. And that's insane. I don't know what their value was before, but I have to imagine that that it's been multiplied. You know, that's a multiple multiple. Maybe it was worth 10 million and went to 50 million, but either way, that's that's impressive. So that was kind of <clears throat> interesting little uh side conversation but uh you know that was uh the, the new life <laughs> the new normal was like kind of having to learn to cope with uh, uh video conferencing and there's a there's a lot of funny ones like the, i saw one where this woman <clears throat> you know she was all you know dressed up and she was on her video conference then her husband walks around the corner and he's <laughs> he's just in his underwear and he like freaks out and he's drinking coffee he spits the coffee back and he and he he tries to get away really quick and he walks into the door frame <laughs> it's just really funny like i mean uh but that's just kind of the, the classic thing that uh i think people had to face a lot of problems but that one made me laugh Cause it's just, cause I, I picture myself as the husband that would do that. Like, <laughs> like come around the corner, just got out of the shower, no towel, run into the wall, knock myself out. You know, the, <laughs> then my wife has to turn around and administer CPR while still on video, uh, conferencing and yeah, how embarrassing for me. But anyways, that's my so that's my uh, divergence into Zoom meetings, I suppose. That's, uh, yeah, I don't even know. <laughs> it's probably a good time just to take a quick break because it feels like it. So I think we're going to do that right about now.
the biggest problem that I can see is just it's fear and anxiety. There's a lot of uncertainty. So people don't know. <clears throat> I mean, we're in this reopening phase, right? But it's this staggered reopening and we need to be careful, right? Uh, not to create uh, any spikes or <clears throat> create new hotspots or whatever the term of the day is. And so, you know, you can't eat inside of a restaurant, but they you can eat at an outdoor restaurant, you know, and the curbside to go is still is still around, right? And the uh, barber shops aren't open. So I'm speaking strictly from Connecticut, right? I, I know it's different in other parts of the country, but we were pretty hard hit considering we were so close to New York. So, you know, what our experience is, 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 is different than in, in say Georgia or, or Iowa to some degree, right? My brother lives in Iowa, so I get reports about what's going on in Iowa and they kind of were somewhat delayed in, in some of the actions they took, um, but Connecticut was pretty, you know, pretty strict, uh, pretty much closed everything down except for grocery stores or the Walmarts, the Targets of the world, or Home Depot, anything that was considered essential, and liquor stores, because there would have just been riots a lot sooner if they shut down, tried to shut down liquor stores. Um, so I guess uh, and in their infinite wisdom, the, the government's decided, let's not try to battle this. Let's keep the liquor stores open so people can still – people can actually get through this, uh, hopefully in a drunken stupor, and they won't ask questions, um, which is what my conspiracy theory is about alcohol. But that's for another episode. And I think – let's see. So actually is – no, because tomorrow's the 31st. Today's not the last day of the month. It's only the 30th. Ah, I get it all mixed up. It's like 30 days past September, blah, blah, blah. I don't even know the rest of it. So obviously, I don't know. Tomorrow is the 31st of May. And June 1st, which is Monday, I believe the barbershops and salons are going to reopen. Now, what about a tattoo shop? Is that considered, I mean, that's close contact. You're working on another person right? Like you're working on someone's hair. So, so that one be was grouped in there. But the problem that I'm seeing is it's not super clear, right? Like there's, so I have a, a leopard gecko, which is, he's a cute little lizard and he eats live crickets. And so when this thing started, I started to kind of get a little nervous because I'm thinking I'm not going to be able to get my live crickets from from the place where I always buy it there's a pet store up the road and I hate getting them from PetSmart or Petco because they don't seem to live as long I don't know if it's just because they're factory manufactured live crickets I don't know what the problem is but uh they're just not as great of a quality <laughs> I mean bottom line and you know, so that was like a, a big concern for me was <clears throat> like what there's nothing specific for like this offshoot kind of retail location. Right. But I guess it fit under essential uh, retailers. Uh, so the place where I go to get crickets is still open. And, and you know, I like the guy um, because 
uh, again, I think he just kind of provides better product. Um, and plus, it's really cool because he's got a lot of cool reptiles. He's got some ball pythons, and he's got a rhinoceros iguana, which is just cool. Um, and a ton of um, <clears throat> different types of chameleons and different types of geckos. And it's a cool place to go. Anyways, um, so... So I was good to, uh, you know, it was good to know that that was going to be the case, that uh, that place is still open. Um, but there still seems to be somewhat like gray areas, like, you know, so obviously like an antique shop is closed. Um, but, uh, you know, if it was like a specialty, I don't know. <laughs> like, I mean, not thinking specialty antique shop, but like our specialty shops, like, like this guy, like he's, he, I guess he's qualified because he's a pet store. Right. So that makes sense. But, uh, you know, that, that's the thing that I don't, I feel like if there's certain kinds of stores, uh, I guess it's, it's not super cut and dry. People have a hard time thinking, you know, is it going to be safe to go back to wherever, Right. So even some, some barbers and, and salons are, are kind of like, I don't want to open. Like I, I'm not, I don't feel safe or I don't think my customers are going to feel safe or whatever. Right. Um, well, other ones are like, yeah, let's, you know, give me the masks. I'll disinfect the ch every chair. Uh, you know, we'll put UV lights or whatever the heck it is um, to sterilize the place and the capes and whatever, you know, um, I mean, hairdressers have to be pretty clean anyways. You could, you could transmit other problems, staph infection. Like, so you got to be careful. It's not just something you can easily uh, just be careless about. So so that being said, I think, um, you know, there's still – what I'm getting at is, is there's still some uh, uncertainty and apprehension people just don't feel comfortable uh going back out and you know it, it needs to be clear that it's really like don't don't try try to to not go out you know but then there's people who are kind of forced to go out because they it's like this stuff reopened right so there could be like hairdressers like they have to uh go back to work right so they're going to get their unemployment benefits are going to basically stay stop um because they were you know if you're collecting them because you're furloughed right you're no longer furloughed you have to go back to work like my brother who works in manufacturing kind of got <clears throat> told this i think uh, he might have actually worked through the whole thing but i th think there was a period of time where he was kind of uh they shut it down so i don't know if he's technically furloughed um but you know that that type of thing just, just seems kind of crazy to me because it, it you know it does kind of feel like uh, arbitrary, uh, especially since, you know, he works for a manufacturer that makes outdoor grills. How is that essential? Like outdoor grills for wealthy people, because these are like those super high tech stainless steel outdoor implements that are, you know, built into the side of, of the bunkers in the backyard that's next to the, you know, Olympic sizing ground pool, um, with the water feature and 12 slides, you know, so how is that considered essential? Come on, man. I don't know. That's a separate thing too. Anyway, so my main point is that it's it's just a lot of uncertainty. So a lot of people don't know what to do right now or how to feel right now. And then you have 
riots across the country and it's just like okay are are we becoming unhinged as a society at this point like i i i get it like um the protesting is important and what happened to you know was it george floyd right so the, the poor um man like regardless of color like this poor man was was killed and you know by another man and that is you know sad and unfortunate and i'm talking as a you know somewhat white guy because i do have hispanic blood but you know mostly white guy who doesn't really understand it in its full capacity because i didn't have to you know grow up under the conditions of 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 being black and and having people be racist against me and I, you know i'm fortunate and um, I, I try to understand it, but it's I'm never going to fully understand it. But what I can see is things getting out of hand, you know, with with the protesting turning into looting, turning into destruction of property and burning down buildings. And even, you know, authority figures, not not like police officers, but, you know, members of the community, uh, celebrities, you know, people are high, high profile. People are are condemning it, and and it's just being ignored. And to me, it feels like there's just opportunistic people out there who are taking advantage of the situation. But this is definitely, to my earlier point, like it's a pressure bus pipes thing because everybody was kind of forced to stay home. And there's a whole another debate that can be had about whether we should have been forced to stay home altogether as as we did like i mean as a side note i don't understand why from the beginning they didn't enforce the mask rules if they thought that that could they knew that it could it could have an impact and help and then they eventually made it uh, a thing that they told everybody they should wear masks and then in some states it was you know mandatory in order to go into stores became a part of policy like why didn't they just announce that from the onset you know like why didn't they just cut off access to nursing homes as soon as it it was apparent from washington state that the outbreak that came over from china it, it and it affected a nursing home and it killed a bunch of people in a nursing home right so you know that that just kind of blows my mind is like why not take that as the model Next time this comes around, I'm sure there's going to be a protocol in place, but it just kind of feels like people were just being short-sighted. But no one's really experienced it before. Everyone can point back to the pandemic of 1918 and think, uh, oh, yeah, we should have seen this coming. And there's experts who have been, you know, on their, uh, you know, um, roundabout tours what's called um road shows doing road shows <laughs> i call it that i don't know what you call it but but you know doing the circuits talking about pandemics and ted talks and and all types of speeches about the dangers of of a potential pandemic and how to prevent it or how to prepare for it and um you know nobody did anything right like as far as people were looking at it like no one was really prepared for the the weight of this which turned out to be a lot more than anybody was expecting, right? But there seems to be like little missteps that kind of made this more of a problem. The other problem is, you know, people, I, like I, I feel like, uh, you know, 
it's to me it's problematic that in this country more people go out to vote for the president you know than they do for their governors and it should really be very apparent after this that the governors are the ones that actually have the power in this situation and those are the ones that you want to vet very thoroughly before you elect them into office you know like and it and it's hard <clears throat> i i feel like if they could figure out how to avoid the voter fraud um which to me feels you know it, it kind of feels like there's got to be a better method out there i'm not going to try to suggest one but there's got to be a better better system of a verification you know uh, of votes right so that you could potentially do uh remote voting not necessarily you know mail-in ballots um i know online systems could theoretically be tampered with but you know everything kind of feels like you put a lot of uh effort into collecting census data through census you know through physical mail-in things um and and census data is is very very important right and it's like that system obviously doesn't get tampered with as much because there's really no no game like bad actors have no real benefit to messing with the census system or or they're not smart enough to recognize that if if they did that they could benefit in some ways but um you know the census data is has a lot to do with a lot of things like it it could totally disrupt a lot of things if the census data was tampered with and made to look smaller than it, it really is, you know? Um, but anyways, so I hope people can walk away from this and realize that you need to vote. You need to very, very much vote for local officials, you know, mayors important, but to me, governors, like the, to me, this is 100% an eye opening experience about the power of governors and you want to make sure you have the right governor in place for something like this. Governors can, uh, you know, essentially take over with executive power, ha uh, put in place executive orders unrestricted, as we're seeing in Connecticut. That's just left and right. It's just happening. Our legislator walked away, and I, I don't think I've heard anything about them doing anything other than I think it must have been the payroll protection stuff. Like, I think that's it. Uh, loans, right. Um, helping businesses get loans to hopefully use in the right way to pay employees. Although I heard a crazy story about, uh, this guy who actually happened to be dating this, uh, reality TV show star on the show, love and hip hop in Atlanta, I think, um, who basically lied and said he had a bunch of employees, like a hundred employees got a two or $3 million loan and then spent it on himself and, and then foolishly bought big ticket items like a Rolls Royce and an $80,000 watch and jewelry. Like it's not traceable. Like nobody's gonna get suspicious when, when you turn trade in your you know Toyota Camry from 1986 for a Rolls Royce. Uh, yeah, smart guy. But anyways, the governors are are the ones to 
to really be focusing on. The next governor or gubernatorial election, I think it is, next election where we elect a new governor, at least in Connecticut, it's gonna be it's gonna be a battle. And it's gonna be I unfortunately I wish it was this year. You know, obviously this is a presidential election year, but um I think it's in two years, uh twenty twenty two. But it's gonna be it's gonna be a big deal. I don't think people are happy with our governor. And, and you know, uh, I think there's sentiment around the country. You're either loving what your governor did or you're not, you know. Um, like my, my, my parents in Florida, they love what the governor did in Florida. And he's one of the few that did a mass shutdown of access to nursing homes and saved a lot of lives. Um, you know, that didn't happen in New York, although I, I think – I don't know. I, I've got mixed feelings about Cuomo, and I think it's hilarious that they have a term, the, twer- the term Cuomo-sexual, which I'm not, I'm not entirely sure if it applies to Andrew Cuomo, the governor, or Chris Cuomo, the CNN correspondent, but it's just hilarious. Um, and I've definitely seen reference to that and people calling themselves Cuomo-sexuals, and that's just funny. But, you know... Definitely, there's no term for Lamont. Lame. Lamont. Lamont. <laughs> he's just lame. Yeah. I don't know. I don't like what he's he's doing. I, I think he's just kind of a mini, trying to be a mini Cuomo. And that's unfortunate. And we're sitting here. Uh, let's see. Like I said, you know, May 30th. We don't really see any kind of real openings until June 20th. So we still have t- like, you know, 21 more days of semi-isolation, you know, or semi-quarantine. I don't know what you want to call it, but it, it's tough. It's a, it's a tough pill to swallow. And I think I think that's kind of the, the thing to uh, help you get through this uh, is the hope. I've been listening to this other podcast. It's the Monster podcast, the one about the DC Sniper. And it's really good. And I just finished that one. And, you know, one of the the um, people that were being interviewed is she's a uh, she's kind of an expert on serial killers. Um, she's interviewed a lot of serial killers. Um. And I, th- I think it was her. I'm actually trying to think. Somebody, somebody in the last episode, <laughs> episode 15, said this. But they basically said, you know, one of the biggest things that people hang on to in prison is hope. You know, the hope that they might be able to get out. You know, the ones that are on, on death row even have some little bits of hope, right? The ones that are on consecutive life sentences, they were tried as adults, everything was kosher, all their appeals are done. They don't really have any hope left to get out. You know, if they're forever, you know, uh, meant to be in prison because of their sentences. You know, the, the, um, the DC sniper kid, he has a little bit of hope because he was a juvenile and... You know, there's like this potential for him to get out on parole at some point. And, 
you know, that that's just kind of crazy. But the bottom line is, is, is that comment about hope. And I feel like at this point, like all we have is hope, but all we have is for, you know, the hope that we're going to get to a vaccine soon and the hope that we can find some kind of new normal, the hope that we can get the economy up and running and that the businesses that had to, you know, shutter can come back, you know, even though like there's in all likeliness, this is a, a, a cleansing of bad companies or bad businesses you know the ones that were not doing so great and and maybe they weren't doing great because they weren't doing things you know honestly or ethically or you know they weren't managing their business properly you know and it it may it, it it's kind of the uh separating the the hay from the chaff i think is the term um because the hay is the good stuff that you're going to feed your your horses or or whatever animals eat hay, um, you know, and the chaff isn't good for it. It's all, it's all the dirty, dusty stuff, right? Um, this hopefully is what can help weed out that uh, the bad businesses, the ones that really shouldn't have, the, the ones that have been kind of just kind of floating along um, didn't have really good, or didn't have well-run companies, didn't have good business ethics or business practices. Um, it's unfortunate because those people that were working for them relied on them for a paycheck, but they might end up finding, you know, bouncing back and finding something better. Um, I mean, one of the quotes I saw said, you know, the, I think it's it said the good businesses, um, good businesses won't, uh, good businesses will, will not survive. The great businesses will adapt. I think was something to that effect. But I think the idea is that the, you know, whatever the cause is in a capital, you know, whether it's a recession because of like in 2008, a financial crisis or a virus, you know, um, ultimately this is, you know, as a part of, of a capitalist economy, businesses are, are going to go through hardships and it's the good ones that survive, you know, it's really it's really sad that Sears kind of went the way that it did and and might ultimately just kind of disappear uh in its for in the form that we knew because Sears had been around for so so long, right? Like 150 years or something like that. And you know, but it's kind of one of those examples like Walmart beat them to a pulp, you know, like figuratively. Uh they you know, they, they beat them at, at the sales game. I mean, if you ever walk into like a Sears and you look at like, uh, I don't know, a washing machine that is like, well, that's maybe not a good example. Cause I don't know that Walmart's necessarily specialized in that, but they would compare to like a Best Buy, I guess. But that's like, you know, compare like a washing machine on Best Buy to Sears and Sears might be $500 more, right? Which is a big deal. Um, you know, so <clears throat> They got, they kind of got like sloppy and lazy, like in in terms of negotiating prices with vendors or, or whatever, whatever caused them to basically head down that path. Like I don't really feel like like 
you look at companies that can't keep up with Amazon and you, you have to wonder, you know, like obviously Amazon can source stuff like at a larger volume. So they get volume discounts, you know, um, like that, that's part of it, but you also companies that can add value. Like one of the big things I'm seeing this big trend in, um, websites now is it's specialization, you know, it's razor companies, um, like Dollar Shave Club, right? That are really specializing in one area. Or there's like that Four Hymns or Roman, which are a, you know, I think male, enhan- uh, male enhancement pills or something. Um, well, Four Hymns, I think, actually might sell the stuff for um, hair loss. Um, either way, they're very specialized. You know, they're going back to this, this specialized thing. It feel it kind of feels to me like we go in these waves where, you know, it it's big box to specialized, right? So you went through this period where, you know, it was like smaller businesses, niche businesses. And then all of a sudden you start having to consolidate like all these smaller businesses to sell more and more things in one store, you know, and then you end up with, with a Walmart type of place. And then, you know, it's like a big box store, but, um, you know, in, in a online world, I think people recognized, okay, so, you know, it started off kind of specialized and then it evolved up into like an Amazon type of website. And now people can't compete with them, but then they start going back to specializing where they can deliver a lot more value because they're, they're focused and they're specialized. Right. Um, so, you know, to me, that kind of feels like that's what this wave is. Uh, you you see it, uh, you know, there's a big wave with the, what is it? Uh, farmed, not formed a table, but, um, uh, like the food, you order food kits, I guess you could say, uh, like, was it farm fresh or hello fresh or something like that? So you basically go online and you order a meal and it's, it's the kit for you to prepare. So you get it delivered and it's all the fresh ingredients and then you kind of throw it together and cook it and it and it tastes like restaurant quality, you know, I guess in theory. Um, but that's the thing is it, you know, it kind of feels like that's where we're heading. Um, and I think I went on like 15 tangents and lost my, my whole train of thought on what I was talking about. Uh, so I'm going to take a break for a second. Yes. I think I was talking about uncertainty and then I started talking about jobs and, you know, and then I lost my train of thought and then I went on a whole tangent about businesses and the ones that might survive. I think, uh, yeah, okay, so... What I was trying to get at was the, you know, the, the, the idea that, you know, we're going to hopefully get back to normal, right? And so everybody's, it, everything's hinging on hope. And, and then, you know, we're, we're hinging on hope, but nobody really knows what's going to happen. And, and I think to kind of bring this all back around is that the whole pressure bus pipes things is people are feeling helpless and feeling lack of, of hope. Like the ones that are feeling lack of hope, they're out there protesting. You know, there's some opportunists opportunists that are, you know, they're the ones busting the glass, smashing the glass because they like to break things, right? And then they, and then a couple other ones are like, ooh, a TV. 
or ooh, some liquor, or ooh, some basketball memorabilia. Like, that's crazy. But anyways, so so then, you know, they kind of run in. And then it's other people who are in the crowd who are like thinking to themselves, you know, like, I, I've been out of work. Uh, you know, I don't have uh, basic necessities or whatever. I don't know if they're thinking this, but, you know, th- they're just thinking like, I don't have anything. Uh, like, what, what do I have to lose? <laughs> I guess is what I'm getting at. Like, they feel like they don't have anything. So they run into the store too. And the next thing you know, you know, you get one, two, three, 10, 12, 20 people doing it. And now you've got, you know, an entire crowd and then you've got looting, you know, and it's the jerks who kind of smash the window who start it, you know, because that that's just what they do. That's their role in this whole thing, you know, and then you drain a, you know, the inventory of a mom and pop store, right? Which is really kind of sad. Um, you may feel good because you stuck it to target, you know, because you smashed up a target and looted it. Uh, and you think, oh, they're, you know, they're the big, big retailer. They can afford, afford it. They price gouge us or whatever, right? Like, this is just not the way to get stuff done. This is not the way to make spark change, you know? Like the first day or two was was sending the message, right? And I heard somebody who said, you know, well, it took to the date, the fourth day of the protesting and, and the civil unrest to like get charges brought up. Like that's that's on the stupid police departments or, or prosecutors or whatever, like for having pro, you know, their new protocols like we we're going to have new protocols for the pandemic their new protocols should be like when there's like a a nationally televised death and it and like regardless of whether like there's any backstory to it or explanation for it like you need to take immediate action at least be like we took them into custody you know like or you know at least tell them what you're doing don't wait don't wait and act like nothing's being done about it like we're handling it internally because that's our policy that's BS because that that's where you run into this this kind of problem. Hopefully that's recognized after all this because that's what should really be like what's taken away from this is that like it, it's processes, it's the the red tape, it's the outdated protocols that that are screwing us over. You know, the pandemic like it's like all the red tape that they had to clear just to get like things going with trying to get a vaccine, trying to get protective personal protective equipment, all that stuff like that had that all like took a freaking pandemic in order to get that all going, you know, and that's really frustrating. Like and and this is like it's taking five days of major cities burning for them to like I'm hoping they recognize that it's the stupid bureaucratic processes that are screwing us over. You know, that are getting us to this point where, you know, like it, people are getting sick and tired of, of inaction or what looks like inaction, you know, just explain to the public like what's going on. You know, I feel like that was one of the things, at least in the beginning, and I think was why, you know, Cuomo sexual rose up as a term was because Cuomo got out there and he explained in simple terms, like on Reddit, it's like ELI five, right? Explain like I'm five. He explained it, you know, like in simple terms and people felt like, okay, okay, like deep breath, 
like we can do this. They're not doing that with this protest stuff or the freaking, you know, the nonsense with with the extra violence that cops are are putting on to people, you know? And and like this one dude, you know, who unfortunately has, shares a first name with me, uh I, I yeah, there's nothing I can do about it. But unfortunately, like this dude is, was a bad dude. He had a history of bad things like going on in his record. And like he really shouldn't have been a cop like anymore after all, like after years and years of gross misconduct. Right. Like he just shouldn't have been a cop and this could have been solved. But but that's the thing is there's no like communicate. No one's stepping up like and immediately like taking action on it and, you know, helping to quell like the situation like concern so we're lacking hope i think that's the takeaway like we need hope things have built people are you know feeling the pressure and and it's and there's just a lot of a lot of uncertainty and people you know fear and uncertainty so we're at like 50 minutes like and i think this is probably a good place to talk to talk no let's talk more for another hour no i mean stop stop talking i should say um i do hope to come back with another episode i feel like um i miss doing this i just kind of got caught up in my own stuff and stopped stopped talking um you know and i hope people are are listening to it and enjoy it and again, I, you know, at, you know, at, on Twitter, like you can reach out. Um, so you can go to anchor too. Like if you listen through anchor, any of the platforms, you can do ratings, but I'm going to get the contact form. That's like first thing or, or, or some kind of method of communication <laughs> through the website. Cause that's finding your identity podcast.com. And I want to say thanks for listening. And until next time, this is Finding Your Identity.